Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal valid when product served. Welcome to episode number 70 of the LSR podcast. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by the brightest minds in all of the gaming industry. We have the gang back together this week. Dustin Galker, Adam Candy joining me here, guys. We have a ton to get down, some interesting stuff, some follow ups to some big stories that we have also been talking about as well. Adam, we are glad to have you back. You had a nice little break here before we got into NFL season and then boy, tons of news to get on here. Are you ready? Glad to be back in the saddle. Those are two different answers that I can give you, Matt. Um, yes, I am glad to be back in the saddle. No, I am in no way ready, but I know that you guys will pick me no up. No worries, my friend. As, as always, guys, we're on Apple. We are on Spotify. We're on Stitcher. We're on Google. Go in, subscribe, rate, and review. We really do appreciate that. If you want to follow Dustin Galker at Dustin Galker on the Twitter, you do want to follow Adam as well at Adam Candy. That is two E's, no Y. No reason in the world to follow me, but if you want to, at Matt Brown M2. So let's kick things off here, Dustin. We knew. We assumed, I should say, we did not know. We assumed that August was going to be a big month. We are starting to get numbers roll in, and it seems as if our assumptions were correct. Let's start off with New Jersey. Yeah, I mean, we don't, we're obviously just doing a lot of guessing, but with the return of, of every major sport other than the NFL in August with Major League Baseball, NBA, and NHL, we really figured this would be a big thing with pent-up demand. So New Jersey uh, had a record for any regulated market in the United States in terms of how much was bet in a single month, $668 million, up from $315 million bet in July. So this is bigger than any, uh, any one, anything in New Jersey history, and two, anything in Nevada history as well. And that includes football season so this is uh this is a, a pretty big sign in terms of of where things are going in the in the market uh obviously almost uh, a huge majority of that was online 90 percent of it was was online so uh this is uh new jersey you know we've we've talked about it being the biggest sports betting market in the u.s at times and and for certain months but this could be the month where it, it finally takes that mantle for good And Adam, this was something that we kind of alluded to here because we had talked to a few people here in Nevada that they were very excited about these months coming up, that they had been kind of doing their projections. They are expecting September to be absolutely through the roof right here. And I can understand why. I mean, it is the convergence of everything. And also you can add in a golf major that got thrown into this as well. So I'm sure we will be talking about how massive these September numbers are. What did we see in the August numbers coming out of Pennsylvania? Pennsylvania. 
Maybe not quite the same on volume, Matt, but another record uh, in Pennsylvania. You're looking at north of $350 million in Pennsylvania last month. That also sets a monthly record for a market that's not quite as mature as New Jersey. And I think when we look at a billion dollars of handle between these two states that border and in some places uh, probably are sharing customers, the most important thing to keep in mind is we haven't had a single football game. Like these reports don't have anything to do with the National Football League. And we're going to be waiting for major college football that won't really start affecting the reports until October. So it's just remarkable. The other thing to note, of course, in Pennsylvania, 90 percent of bets placed online. And that's not necessarily something that's related to covid. That was something that was happening in Pennsylvania in the first place and showing the appetite for mobile adoption in the Keystone State. Yeah. And I mean, this was, of course, the big news that we were following was Illinois as well, because Illinois was a state that had it, wasn't going to have it, had it, wasn't going to have it, then have it again. We're still monitoring that whole situation here, but we do at least have kind of the initial numbers, Adam, coming out of Illinois as well. Yeah, and they are promising. Uh, You're looking at more than $50 million wagered in Illinois in that first wave. And I think keep in mind that we're just beginning with the mobile signups in Illinois. We, of course, know that Governor Pritzker about four weeks ago lifted the uh, legal restriction, forcing people to go to casinos to sign up for sports betting accounts. And it was reported just today from the Illinois Gaming Board meeting that they have 230,000 accounts signed up just as of right now. We haven't even gotten to week two of NFL season yet, and we only have five sports books live, a couple of those which launched within the past week. So Illinois is obviously a gold mine waiting to be tapped, and we are already. Yeah, just in make, the early to be clear on Illinois, that. it's basically just July, which and this is so they're trailing a little bit on the reporting, and it's also just one sportsbook app, fifty million dollars basically at one sportsbook app with the remote registration. And I think, and again, point of notice that we would not be anywhere near that number if people had to go into the one casino that was mm-hmm. live in July with sports betting and have that same number. So that's the that's what we're looking for. Again, there's gonna be weirdness when August comes out because there was some in-person registration and then it was back to remote. And then September, again, we're looking at this Saturday where they might be back to in-person registration if it gets rescinded. So it's all, it's all confusing. I know, but you know, the, the first numbers really paint a picture of this is the future. You know, one book, 50 million wagered. We're talking a lot of money is going to be bet in this first few weeks of September. And Dustin, just to uh, just just to add to that, uh, our Matthew Waters reporting just today here as we're recording on Thursday that uh, one sportsbook operator he spoke to said that he's been told that uh, Governor Pritzker does p- at least want to try to extend that order, uh, allowing remote registration into September. We'll see what actually plays out over the next couple of days. But an article up on that at LegalSportsReport.com and right now. Dustin, you talk about there was only one one online sportsbook that you were able to get to in July, you know, as we sit here recording this on September the 17th, what is live in Illinois as we head into kind of this, at least a uh, soft deadline, maybe as of, as of the, you know, the 19th, as long as, as long as nothing's been written since the last time I looked, I think there are five sports books now, bet rivers, uh, DraftKings, FanDuel, points, bet William Hill. You have those five options. You can all you could go on your phone right now and download them and start betting at any of those. Again, you know, if they rescind it, you might have to go to a casino um, and that will that will be sub ideal. But, yeah, you have five options and it is uh, and 
yeah, almost a quarter of a million uh, count signups and create account creations in Illinois in the early days is, is actually an absolutely ground, uh, just a huge number. And Adam, this kind of like leads into the next story here. We typically just, you know, report the the news part of everything here. But I think the other part that about this Illinois remote sign up thing is just for the fact of not only is it better for the better because you're able to do it from home and you're not having to physically go to a casino in these weird times right now where COVID is still alive and well, but also from just a better standpoint, we talk about this and, you know, this kind of leads into our DC story here, but you know, for the actual consumer themselves, it is also better to have better options. We have seen what has happened in these markets that have limited options. And so when you have these limited options, we well know there's really no incentive to try to help out the better. So whenever we have more competition in these markets and they're able to sign up easily and 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 create these multiple accounts and whatnot, it's, it's better for the consumer as well. The D.C. situation continues to defy <laughs> belief. Uh, it goes against everything that we've talked about in the U.S. sports betting market for two and a half years. Uh, William Hill has taken nine million dollars in retail bets. Now, mind you, that's just with turning some season ticket windows, a Capital One Arena in downtown mm-hmm. D.C., and making them into sports betting windows, adding in some kiosks, of course, as well. And that has outperformed the Gambit app uh, since launch nearly three <laughs> months ago by a 5x factor. Um it doesn't make any sense at all. We talk about New Jersey and Pennsylvania having 90% mobile adoption and the lines that Intralot is dealing through the Gambet app are so awful that we really have found the breaking point as to saying, where would you have to push betters for them to say, hey, you know what? I just I can't yeah. deal with this. Like I like no matter the fact that I can download this on an app, I just cannot deal with the terrible interface, the awful lines and just the insult of the products that Intralot is throwing out there. And it's the same in Montana where on week one of NFL season. Are you ready for this? They took one hundred eighty nine thousand dollars in bets. That was the handle which they called great. So this is what Intralot is dealing right now. That's why William Hill is out in front in D.C. Uh, yeah, at the moment. great. One hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars. Imagine, imagine yes, the, uh, saying the number one hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars was bet on the NFL and saying that is huge. That is that is uh, that's one of the most mind boggling things I've seen. I mean, I know this is a PR person for the Montana lottery who's trying to put their spin on right. it, but it's like, we all like that. Like there are single bets on NFL in Vegas sometimes that are, are this size. Right. So this is, this is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And we say this all the time. Look, we want everybody to bet legally. We want everyone to bet at, at these legal sports books whenever, whenever possible. But I understand if you're in these other like it's like, I get it. If you're still, if you're sticking with your, uh, if you're sticking with your account elsewhere, I understand. I would not be playing those either. Uh, that's it's just unfortunate for you guys. And hopefully there is a light at the end of the tunnel for this down the road here. You have options yeah. nearby soon. This is the this is the good news, right? We have uh, I'll, I'll even do your intro for you here. Virginia, we have uh, <laughs> update this week. Virginia has sports betting regulations formalized. Uh, they are still planning on a January launch. Um, nothing super shocking in the regulations other than, you know, our one of our favorite topics to talk about is is data and how, how states are treating that. And uh, the the 
formal, the final regulations in Virginia have given uh, the sports leagues a lot of power over account level wagering data, which is uh, uh, interesting to say the least, that they can ask for account level data if they are having issues with, uh, they think there's an issue in terms of integrity or something that's going on. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, the good, the top level good news is Virginia is moving forward. If you live near Virginia, I, I'm, I lived in Northern Virginia for a lot of my life. You don't have to use the crappy gambit app you will have a lot of options in hopefully by the super bowl if you're in virginia or uh, Uh dc you can drive drive outside of dc and go bet in virginia which is very easy to do one of the launches that we were watching not from a state standpoint but from a product standpoint was the barstool sports app i mean we've heard nothing but great things about the pin stock and everything's going nutso with that. And we, we keep hearing about it. It's all about this sports betting. And that is what everyone is kind of looking at here. Well, it has at least soft launched Dustin. So with that, you were able to kind of mess around, or at least we had somebody that was able to mess around with it a little bit. What was kind of the impressions of, of, of this app that again, everybody has been waiting for now for what seems like forever. Yeah, so Barstool soft launched on Monday, I believe fully live in Pennsylvania as of Friday. And and for now, only in Pennsylvania, they have said Q1 for the rest of the legal sports betting states where Penn National Gaming there at Barstool Sportsbooks Partner is uh, has licensure mm-hmm. or an avenue to get live. So, uh, I mean, I, I you, you can download it right now. You can go to the App Store, download it. You cannot bet, obviously, if you're in, unless you're in Pennsylvania. But, yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was fine. It was, uh, it looks like, a lot of other sports betting apps, nothing super exciting. It, it seemed to be functional and you can move around and see what to bet. There is, there is absolutely nothing revolutionary about the product. And again, I don't know if we were expecting revolutionary, but uh, seeing as they missed week one of NFL season, I guess I was expecting, you know, that this is going to be something, something bonkers and not just get it, get it out there and do it. So, it, I mean, again, it's fine. It's functional. The, 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 the path with right. Barstool is not supposed to be some amazing product either, even though they have a, a, a large team where, Working on product. This is about the whether Barstool converts people, converts betters, whether that very large audience they have on social media and that visits the website, et cetera, et cetera. If that is an easy acquisition funnel for them, and we'll start learning about that in Pennsylvania when we, we see the September numbers, are they instantly going to be, uh, you know, one of uh, challenging DraftKings and FanDuel? That's the that's the story they're told. And I, I, I made sure we add this in because we don't have any other talk about stock, Penn National Stock. Uh, currently, it's trading at $72 from its low of $4 <laughs> at the, the bottom of the pandemic. This is uh, still absolutely nuts to me. Uh, the Penn National, the core business, uh, you know, is, is struggling. Casinos, limited capacity across the country. This is all built, apparently, on people thinking the Barstool sports betting app is going to take over the world. So, uh, you know, good, good luck with that. And then maybe, maybe everybody would be right. But, uh, but you're also very rich if you got in at $4. Yeah, you know, Adam, you you did bring up uh, that at the end of the day, it's uh, you know we are going to be getting college football. You know, whether you agree they should be playing or not, all of us it doesn't really matter. They're going to be college football. We are we we kind of know the demographic right of of the typical bar stool fan of the stoolie, and it tends to skew younger. It tends to skew kind of even into that college age here. I'm sure secretly, you know, behind closed doors, they are jumping up and down that there is going to be 
college football this season because I, you know, that 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 demographic that they're going after is like, you know, either freshly removed from college or still kind of in college with all of that. And so to have sports around their universities and around that, I mean, of course, they're going to be making this big push in Pennsylvania. Penn State will be playing, you know, which is the big the big team there in the state. So, um, you know, I, I can only imagine that they are going to be helped massively by the fact that there will be college sports. And Matt, keep in mind, I mean, Barstool already has a subset of websites dedicated Mm -hmm. to numerous universities across the country, right? I mean, there are built-in fan bases in sort of these micro niches that are going to be very easy for them to tap into in markets that are legal. Um, The one thing I would like to know, and and, then market research will bear this out eventually, is how much of that demographic that they're going for already committed in some of these markets to a mm-hmm. DraftKings or a FanDuel or one of these other books that have been aggressively marketing to a frankly very similar demographic over the last you know two plus years. Uh, what we've seen is that the U.S. market has been, uh, to use the term that's been used, stickier yeah. than uh, European and UK markets, where when people get signed up with one book, they tend to stay with that book. They have not been going around and bonus hunting and trying to you know, gather up all the best offers like a Matt Brown <laughs> flying into Colorado <laughs> on the weekends. So you know they've been betters who tend to stick. Now, it hasn't necessarily been the Barstool demographic, but, you know, I, I think a $75 stock valuation that is driven in any large part by an app, whether you tell me it's Barstool and Pen, whether you tell me it's DraftKings, whether you tell me it's FanDuel is a little bit crazy, right. but I, I will be, and we'll be watching. You know, that is a great point that you bring up that I actually don't think we've, we've, we've talked about here on the podcast is we talk about Barstool as a single entity, but there is Barstool is a network, right? And as you mentioned, like there is Barstool LSU, there is Barstool University of Texas, there is Barstool Penn State. So yeah, it is, it is this gigantic network. And so they are able to tap into, uh, you know, go into these individual states where it's going to be legal, where they are going to go live. And they'll, they will be able to tap into these kind of fan bases that they know are most likely living within that state or, you know, somewhere in that region as it is anyway. So that's a, that's a good point to, to bring up about Barstool. It will be interesting. I'm very much looking forward to all this. And the other thing that you mentioned about the stickiness as well, I, I can't wait to the, for the study to come out in Colorado as well as to with all the apps that are live up there to see, you know, on average, your typical better has X amount of apps downloaded and actually has funded X amount of apps, because I would actually be very curious as to that number as well. Dustin, we have a deal here and we talk about these big media deals and we kind of thought that this one was already there with one of these entities, but then, uh, man, the, the announcement here for ESPN adding some more official partnerships and then solidifying one that was already there. Yeah, I mean, this is a, it feels like I think just two weeks ago we were talking about what's left out there for media deals, and we kind of mm-hmm. thought, uh, ESPN, maybe maybe they're just done. This is they're dabbling in it, and uh, they got a lot more serious about sports betting here. Uh, they are made, made uh, Caesars slash William Hill. William Hill is now the sports book operator that that works with Caesars everywhere across the country. Is the official exclusive official and exclusive odds provider for ESPN. There will be direct links out from ESPN to William Hill online sports books wherever. William Hill is legal. They have been obviously you know, just talked about Illinois. They are aggressively trying to get live now with this ESPN deal. So there's that. And then DraftKings became the official 
daily fantasy sports provider, also exclusive. That's the exclusive part, probably more important than anything else. Uh, and as we all know, marketing DFS, it, 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 if you're on the website or the app, it's like, oh, you click over here and you're on sports betting. So how much of right. a, how big of a deal it is they're only the DFS uh, app is, you know, they're not getting associated and with odds. But I've talked to people too. Yeah, they're, they're, they bet at DraftKings. They bet at FanDuel. They don't bet at DraftKings Sportsbook or FanDuel Sportsbook. Like the name is the name. It is what it is. So yeah, I mean this this is this is awesome for DraftKings. For yeah, sure. and so I mean you're going to see. I mean this is ESPN getting way more serious about uh, betting content and monetizing it, and you're going to see more and more uh, you know integration of all of this stuff uh, in in ESPN broadcasts on the website, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, again, it's another more or less exclusive deal. So you're not get it you're not going to get bombarded by a zillion different uh, companies uh mm-hmm. advertising on espn so uh, yeah i mean this is a a, a a very big escalation i'd say for espn in terms of what it's doing in the sports betting space Adam, as we know, um, here in Las Vegas over at the link, ESPN just opened up a new studio, state-of-the-art deal over there for them. They're going to be doing a bunch of programming out of there. They do a bunch of live hits now on even SportsCenter and their morning shows and all that out of that studio, which is based all around sports gambling. And then I noticed one of the things I did notice after this kind of this deal went through and the programming started over there that their lines are courtesy of Caesars Sportsbook powered by William Hill. So Caesars is not giving up that branding that they were, you know, that they paid for or are paying for or that they signed up for. It still says Caesars Sportsbook powered by William Hill because, again, Caesars, the bigger name, the bigger brand, and they're the one who actually did the deal here with ESPN. Ultimately, if I'm in the position of William Hill, I actually think that's really smart because we've all seen the hangover, right? We all can identify Caesars right off the top Mm. of our head. Not everybody knows William Hill. Uh, It really, you know, for even for as wide as the brand has moved, I think Caesars is still the more recognizable name overall nationally. And I think it's a smart move on on their part not to eliminate that that Caesars name to keep that in there, considering they have control of the Caesars Palace Sportsbook in Las Vegas, along with uh, any number of others that are within that portfolio. I think the other thing to keep in mind is that um, just slapping some names up there is probably not going to be enough to compete, even with the reach of ESPN, because if I put my media criticism hat on for just a moment, um, I would say ESPN's betting programming has been uneven at best um, thus far. And it'll be really curious to see how they choose to integrate versus breaking it out separately and trying to do separate betting content versus working it in as organically as possible into its more popular programming, into an NFL Mm -hmm. Live, into an NFL primetime. That's really where I think the opportunity is in the long run, as opposed to trying to get someone to watch a half hour from the and link not, studio. And right, not, yeah, it's going to be. Uh, I was going to say you're not. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're not. The people who are watching those shows aren't the people you're trying to reach as a as a sports book in new states either, right? Those are people who are already betting. Maybe mm. you convert them, maybe you don't. But yeah, what what Adam's talking about the con, you know, integration into existing content and existing shows where that are popular. 
that's the that's the, the where it gets interesting for for uh, DraftKings and a and a William Hill. I think because right. you're you, again the, the the small relatively small audience for the betting show. That's a long term play. The the short term play is how it gets integrated onto the website and into to to the big shows where people want to bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that like you know a show like Daily Wager is just it's just an addition to their content schedule, right? Because betting is of topic and it is something people are interested in, and that's just more of an addition to content. Uh, but from a partnership standpoint, like y'all said, I mean, it really, the partnership bang for the buck is going to come in when this is on the broad reach shows, the shows that aren't necessarily focused around betting and betting just gets mentioned somewhere along the way. Uh, Dustin, before we get off of this, just a couple of more NFL deals as well, because of course there was going to be more NFL deals. We knew this last week. Yeah. When you, when you think about this, like this, it's crazy. This is like far, this far down, like our list of things, because this is NFL team. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I, maybe I downplayed yeah. it on purpose, but this is NFL teams doing sportsbook deals. This is more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the Broncos already uh, with uh, do deals with sports books in Colorado. Here we have Eagles partnering, Philadelphia Eagles partnering with, uh, uh, Fox bet and we have New York Giants uh, working with the Eagles and like again think back two years ago to thinking that NFL teams just willy nilly signing uh, deals with these with these te- with uh, with sports books it's kind of wild that we're in this world and it's like oh a little, maybe it's a little ho-hum now I don't know I mean it is still a big deal that these teams are are partnering with sports books but at the same time we just we just kind of know there's going to be now be a laundry list of these team deals uh, we, we know the terms of them you get exposure in the stadium you get on, exposure on the website and this is big because this is, uh, you know, New York for DraftKings. Uh, this uh, gives them a presence next to FanDuel's uh, sportsbook at the Meadowlands there. Uh, so uh, comp- competition in New Jersey, branding in New York if they ever legalize. And uh, the Eagles obviously uh, straddle the markets. Both, the, you know, South Jersey is an Eagles market. All of Pennsylvania, most right. of Eastern Pennsylvania is an Eagles market. So a really uh, big foothold in two very big Pennsylvania, uh, two big sports betting states. So these are a big deal, but it's also kind of just as, as we, as we talk about, it, it's like, Oh, I saw the deal. I'm like, well, we knew this was coming. It's just a matter of who it was. And you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's, it's just now we're going to, we're just going to see more of these. Now we said that after the Broncos deal. Yeah. No, Adam, I, I think I think well, it's definitely yeah. a big deal, but I think we've just since we work in it, it almost weirdly have become desensitized to it. But I, I, I don't think we should definitely gloss over the fact that these are, in fact, big deals. They are putting branding and logo in front of eyeballs that they don't typically see you and I living in Vegas. We can't turn our heads without seeing gaming, you know, branding and stuff. So maybe we have kind of moved past it almost a little bit. But I think if we do take a step back and look at this from outside of the bubble that we live in inside of the gaming news day in day out that these deals are pretty massive oh absolutely and you talk about the the branding and the exposure and i can remember two years ago when dustin was going to the press conference uh with mgm and the Mm -hmm. nba signing their first deal and we were treating it as though this was you know like (laughs) d-day like like it was that level of news event um and now that we've seen the general structure of how these deals work that it really is mostly a marketing play and matt i give you credit on the on that particular day you were the first one who said it like this is a marketing play and that's exactly what it is for these larger deals and for the smaller deals like DraftKings and the giants fox bet and the eagles um 
I think the the thing that we've talked about a little bit to keep in mind is that there's exposure and there's overexposure. Uh, and when you look at what the average sports fan in some of these markets is being exposed to right now, uh, that's a lot. Uh, you're not going to be able to turn your head in in New York or New Jersey without seeing a DraftKings or a FanDuel or, or some mm-hmm. other branding. Um, and I do have to question the wisdom a little bit. Uh, DraftKings, of course, this week does a big deal uh, with ESPN. But then they choose to associate themselves with the New York Giants. Um, I'm a New York Giants fan. I'm not so sure that this is what you want uh, in the long run. Um, I mean, if you if you want to market to you know a three and thirteen team, to throw then, shade then I guess that's your choice. Team on the podcast, this guy is throwing Ooh. shade on his. I had to watch that whole Monday night game. <laughs> throwing shade on his team. Guess what? Guess I will tell you this. Uh, Give, give me uh give me giants plus five and a half this week though. just just say give, oh give man me giants free, plus five free and tip on the oh, pod well, i'm 100 with you on that yeah 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 give me giants plus five and a half against the bears i think that they're gonna thinking they're gonna get that done for sure uh all right dustin so let's uh let's continue on here there is an update on this five dimes thing if you guys uh quick quick literal rehash here Five Dimes kind of came out of nowhere, decided they were going to quit taking U.S. business, and we all kind of questioned why exactly that might be. Seemed like there had to be some sort of ulterior motive here for that because you don't just do that a week before the NFL starts, your biggest customer acquisition time on the face of the planet, and it seems there is more to this story just like we thought. Yeah, I mean, it's still a little bit of a black box. There's something still very strange mm-hmm. going on with what's going on at Five Dimes. We had the widow of the of the uh, the deceased owner, Tony, uh, Five Dimes Tony, as he's known, Sean Tony Creighton, um, make a statement via the Five Dimes uh, Twitter account this week. It was it was pretty cryptic too, but it does say, "I am working with experts and consultants to make sure that the brand you have come to love is well represented in the regulated U.S. market." Now, again, as we've talked about here or in, in copy on LSR, like I I find that to be unlikely at best that they are going to be in the market unless they're being sold and, and, and washed in the U S I don't right. see how five dimes as it's currently constructed certain suddenly becomes uh, a regulated U S entity. We also have uh, this, this is right around the last podcast, but you know, we, we broke the news about five dimes uh, pull trying to pull out of the U S but they are moving some amount of customers just to another U S facing offshore site. So there is, there is a lot of questions about quote, unquote, their, their withdrawal from the U.S. market, if this is what's going on. Now, I don't, I don't know how many of these people are, but you can go on Reddit or Twitter and find many, many examples mm-hmm. of people saying, oh, I, th- I call a customer support and they just moved my bets over to this site that looks uh, exact works exactly yeah. like five times. So you're not, you, this is, uh, you know, a shell game in some ways that they're saying that they are leaving the U S market because, you know, and again, the actual bottom line is yes, they are, but this is, this reeks of what bet Chris and bookmaker did circa 2007, right? Where they just said, Oh, you can't bet at bet Chris anymore. Go over to bookmaker. That's all they're doing. And, they're, and again, there's more eyes on this now. So it's, it's hard to get away with this and say like, Oh yes, we're with quote unquote withdrawing from the U S but you can go bet over mm-hmm. here and uh, you're, you're all good. Uh, you know, I, I, I have a five dimes account that I have never funded. I, I went to customer support. They didn't take the bait with me when I asked, well, Hey, where, where can I bet now that five dimes cause I've never deposited. So it probably yeah. looks fishy when I, when I do that, but some amount of people are being told to go, yeah, go bet over here. And that's, you know, that's a, that's pretty dicey if you're saying that uh, you want to work in the U S market in a regulated fashion. Uh, Adam, let's, okay. Let's, 
let's just say here for the sake of argument that that they are going to try and and get into the US and that they will even have a a, a modicum of success in doing that. I don't understand the business strategy to be perfectly honest with you at this point. When you look at the timeline that it would take to wash this company, then try and apply for all these gaming licenses and then get regulated and then get go through testing and then get done. I mean, we're, we have not said that the U.S. regulated betting market is on lockdown and that the, only the companies that are in right now are the only ones that are going to have success. We said maybe there is an opening for one of the other European companies to come in and maybe make a, a statement. But when you kind of look where we're at right now, I mean, you do have a pretty massive brand awareness between DraftKings, FanDuel, MGM. Will Hill is going to be synonymous pretty soon because they're going to be everywhere that Caesars has been and all of that points bet. And then all of these other people that are coming in, I don't really guess I get the business strategy at this point because it seems to me like you're just, you probably just make more money operating in the gray market as opposed to trying to like have this big rebrand and come into the United States that might take several years. I think if we stop and think in the bigger picture about this and ask ourselves why, right? Because right now you just brought up a lot of reasons why not. And I think that they are all legitimate reasons because you have an established customer base and you have a very loyal customer base in yeah. a lot of ways. Uh, just spend five minutes on sports betting Twitter saying a negative word about offshore sports books and you will be roundly, uh, roundly attacked <laughs> by the devotees of the Bovadas of the world. But you say, why then? And I just have to wonder if there's some level of fear of uh, reproach from mm -hmm. the federal government in the U.S. because of the fact that there's a coming change potentially in the administrations, uh, that there might be a different approach coming from the Department of Justice. Um, it's all speculation. It's not something I'm trying to report uh, by saying that, but sure. that would make sense to me. Um, the New Jersey Department uh, Division of Gaming Enforcement has been very clear uh, about trying to crack down on uh, on offshore sites and any affiliation that some companies who are in the legal market might have with offshore sites. So it could be related to that. Um, but to Dustin's point, and to I think what you mentioned, I didn't have a chance to weigh in on this one last week uh, mm -hmm. when I was out, but any regulator at a state level in the United States who would give the time of day to one of these companies needs to be seriously interviewed to say, what are you doing? Because we also know, and I'm not naming names here, but there are some who have had an interest in the legal US industry who are working with these companies who need to be asked, what are you doing right now? Because these companies operated flouting US law for two decades. Why would you, as someone interested in the success of the US market, be trying to wash these companies? And that's exactly what's happening right now. If we're getting statements about trying to be part of the regulated US market, really, now, now you want to? After operating in violation of the intent of that law for more than two decades. So anyway, uh, you know, you talk about it from a business strategy perspective to bring it back to where you started with this initially. 
Mm-hmm. Unless there is some threat of action from the federal government or right. from state level government, I just don't see where it comes from. Yeah, Dustin, I mean, we know from the poker days, it took New York to get involved before that really, you know, before they got attacked here. I mean, maybe, may, again, we're, we're guessing here. This is all pure speculation. Maybe New York, there's something going on over there. Maybe they uh, want to make sure that that whenever they open things up there from a mobile standpoint that they're not competing with the offshore. I don't know. It just seems to me that there has to be something more to this story other than, Hey, we want to be in the U S because even the most optimistic of goals with that, even if you think somehow you are going to get regulated in the United States, you are talking several years down the road. Like this is not something that's just going to happen. So like to, to forego all of this revenue and all this, everything for several years or something to me, it just seems like there has to be another piece to the story. Yeah. Again, worth reiterating that there's no way that five dimes just up on, up on a, whatever, a Monday, a Labor Day weekend said, yeah, you know what? We're going to try to get in the U S regulated market right before NFL season started after six months of almost nothing for people to bet on that that is that defies all logic in the world there, there is no way that is the case there is from a business standpoint yes there is yeah. I, I will go, go so far as to say there is zero chance that there is not something that we don't know regarding to this and the mm-hmm. most and again the path of least resistance the, 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 the occam's razor is some kind of legal issue that they are dealing with that they, mm-hmm. that, that, that precipitated this. That is, you know, not, uh, that is maybe my stone cold lock of the century as we're giving out uh, picks on the LSR, that there, there is something <laughs> like that coming down the pike for, for five dimes. By the way, I think from now on, Dustin's stone cold lock of the century of the week has to be known as Occam's razor. Yes. Uh, yes. We'll, and we'll, we'll get a uh, we'll get a Carl drop from uh, from Aqua Teen Hunger Force in there. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Again. Yes, we can do that. Yes. Uh, all right, Dustin, take us home here. You did a podcast here recently uh, talking about responsible gambling, and there has been some efforts on the AGA as well. Got a press release about that a couple of days ago, too. Yeah, I mean, just figure we take a little bit of time. It is uh, if maybe unbeknownst to be to you, too, but it is Responsible Gaming Education Week. That has uh, precipitated a lot of efforts from the American Gaming Association, which which I appreciate. They uh, launched uh, a marketing code with several uh, you know, seven U.S. sports buying into it of trying to be responsible in what they how they market uh, their products to the US market as we're in the early days of this we have NASCAR mm-hmm. signing on with as the first league to uh, sign on to the AJ's have a game plan bet responsibly program so I'm, I'm encouraged to see this because I think states have really fallen down on really focusing on problem gambling as it relates to sports betting as just kind of said oh well let's go we're gonna have sports betting and we're leaving it up to the operators so these self these self-regulatory yeah. efforts are really what we're left with in terms of, of that. So I'm encouraged that we're seeing this again. We saw the self-regulatory efforts from the DFS days. You and I both remember were, were yeah. giant failures. So this looks like a, a much more organized thing. And yeah. And the other thing that came up was, uh, you know, Barstool getting, getting live. Uh, you have, you have uh, El Presidente, Dave Portnoy, uh, doing some more con- betting content now, and there is uh, some bad messaging, uh, I think, on from them, and which is particularly bad if you are an operator uh, now instead of just a content provider. There, you know, things like you, you you can only lose if you quit. Like, haha, funny, funny, right? Great. That's that's uh, mm-hmm. you can maybe dismiss it as comedy if you're just a content site, but you are a, you are a sportsbook operator now. Penn National, as we have talked ad hoc on ad nauseum, I sorry, sorry on this is responsible for this. You cannot be having 
this kind of garbage messaging at a responsible gaming. So yeah, I, I, I set off a, I did not think I, what I said was at all controversial on the Twitter machine. And all of a sudden I'm getting all these people are saying, Oh, you're the fun police. They're just joking. Like <laughs> great. Some people, some people are just, jo- it's just joking right. this to some of these people, but some people are, are freaking idiots, quite frankly. And we'll look at that and say, Oh, they tell yeah. me I can only lose if I, if I don't quit. They probably believe that. Like, I'm sorry yeah. uh, if any of you are barstool fans out there, but, but some of you are idiots and uh, some some of you cannot compartmentalize <laughs> between joking and what is, you know, what is, what is, what is a bad responsible gaming message. So I did a podcast with a, a recovering gambling addict as well. Really good conversation. Uh, you can, I retweeted it on my Twitter if you want to take a listen to that. But you know, the, for me, it's just, again, this is another sign of we, we do things wrong here. We're asking for it here in the United States. And I, we really don't need Barstool giving us bad responsible gaming messages. Adam, we take a look at this and, you know, I was having a separate conversation with with Dustin in a chat or whatever. But I mean, you know, look, there are things that people become addicted to that we do joke about. There is I mean, one of the funniest skits to me, but probably of all time is David Dave Chappelle, whenever he plays the the crackhead, you know, and, and all the stuff like that. However, Crack is illegal. Crack is not easily come. Crack you could not just get sitting on your couch in your underwear, like it, by pulling it up on a phone, and and you cannot fund an account to buy crack, like with your bank account repeatedly and all this stuff, like uh, mobily and whatnot. So it's like there is there is definitely a level of when you're talking about responsible gaming because it is so easy and so accessible for so many people as why we say like, Hey man, pump the brakes just a tad on the joking side of all of this stuff, because you know, you can fund an account with your mobile device. You can refund an account with a mobile device. You can fire multiple bets from your phone. You if can you use want your credit, you can stuff. use your so credit there card. There is a difference between how easily accessible something is and how easy it is for people to kind of scratch that itch, if you will, than it is to some of these other things that we joke about. Because I heard someone say, like, "Oh, you're going to joke," you know, you, and they were bringing up these examples and stuff. And I'm like, "Look, I get it. I get what you're saying. You're trying to like knock this down, but it's not apples to apples." So I think there are two perspectives that it's important to look at this from, Matt. Uh, I'll start with the operator side of it. This is what I wrote about a month ago when I wrote about Penn National choosing to take on Barstool Sports as its brand. This to me is not about Barstool Sportsbook figuring out what's right and what's wrong. This is about Penn National as the responsible party for this, as having two seats on its board. This is about Penn National stepping in as the company that has been regulated in the gaming space for decades and saying, no, no, guys, you need to take it back a notch because it's not how we do things. Uh, Eric Nardini, the CEO of Barstool Sports, talked almost um, in a surprised way uh, in, in a forum a few weeks ago about how serious, and I'm using that word in quotes, uh, the industry is. It's serious for a reason. It's serious because you need to understand the way that regulators and legislators think about this. Gaming operates in the face of headwinds when it comes to cultural and legislative acceptance. Um, There are places that are okay with it. There are places that are barely okay with it. And then there are places that aren't okay with it at all. But there's nowhere outside of Las Vegas and maybe Atlantic City where it's so baked into the culture that you know that it couldn't be changed and you know that there couldn't be a significant backlash with only one or two really bad responsible gaming stories. So that's sort of from the the regulatory perspective. But when we take it down to what really Responsible Gaming Education Week is about, it's about people. It's about protecting people from themselves. It is about 
people who have personalities and predispositions to addictive personality, mm-hmm. no matter what it is, whether it's something legal, whether it's something illegal, whether it's it can be, you know, any number of activities or choices that people are just predisposed to having that feeling toward. And if you're someone who can say, oh, well, I get it. I understand the difference. Then good for you. Good right. for you. There and, are and people who can't. Exactly. There are right? people who just can't. It's it's like everybody tries to look at it through their lens and they're like, well, I, I'm not addicted to it. So obviously it's perfectly fine. It's like, yeah, I mean, you know, some people handle things differently than other people. And it doesn't if it's not gambling for one person, maybe it's booze for one person. If it's not booze, maybe it's cigarettes. If it's not, you know, I mean, like there are people handle things differently and everyone just wants to look at it through their tiny little lens. And if like we're threatening. I cannot say this enough on this podcast and and you guys know me as as well as anyone. I joke about stuff all the time. I'm literally joking about stuff constantly, but I understand when there's stuff serious enough that's that's not worth joking about, you know? And like I and I am all for legalized ga- I'm all for gambling. I've gambled my entire life. So I don't want people coming and also saying like you're saying just oh, fun police. Oh, you don't want us to be able to do this stuff. You know what? Like, no. I scream from a mountaintop and have been for 20 years about legalization of gambling and and ways we can go about it. And more than anything, I just want it to be done right. More than anything, I just want it to continue and for everybody to be able to do it safely. That's all it comes down to. And this isn't about not being able to do it. And this isn't about trying to be fun police or it isn't anything like that. It's just just go about it the right way. Just do it right. I don't understand why it has to be this like, oh, you're 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 against something just because you want it to be done where people can can uh, experience it responsibly. Yeah, there's and there's plenty of fun to be had with sports betting and sports betting content without getting into without crossing that line of joking about responsible right. message again. And I think there's a big right. line crossed when you go from content provider to operator. There is a different set of values. I mm-hmm. think you need to because you're yeah, you're now you're now the you're the book too. you can't just say whatever you want mm-hmm. to say that is, that is not the way it is and here, here's a, here's a scenario that is not entirely unlikely let's say somebody listens to portnoy and says you know what uh, I, you, you can't you only lose if you don't if you quit right and I, okay mm-hmm. i just kept doing their picks and all it takes is that person one person going out and like saying man they just kept saying i couldn't possibly lose on all these bets even though they probably had a 45 percent win rate uh on their picks in the war uh, over there at barstool like that, that person then bets a lot of money over the course of time. That story gets picked mm-hmm. up by the New York Times or somebody else. New York's all of a sudden doing investigations and cracking down on advertising and rethinking whether they mm-hmm. should legalize sports betting. That is all we need right now in the, where right. in the formative stage. That's a, again, a hypothetical scenario. That's not so wildly to think about. This is stuff that was going on with right. DFS too. And they, 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 they thread the, threaded the needle too. But there are people losing, there are stories about people losing lots of money on DFS too. Uh, Adam, well, and to, if to, you're yeah, living, I, if, if you're in Texas, if you're in California, if you're in Florida, if you're like, like, we're kind of doing this for you. Like, I mean, like we want, like we want you to be able to 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 have this in your state and be able to do it. But again, there are things that can affect decisions that will be made further down the line, and so that's kind of why we're trying to get out in front of all of this stuff before we have some tragic stories. And again. That's from one side of it, right? That's from the industry side that we tend to talk about quite a bit and saying we want it to be done right. Um, I've lived in Nevada for more than three decades. And Matt, I know you've been around this enough Mm -hmm. and Dustin as well, but we all know someone who's gotten in too deep. Mm -hmm. We all know someone where this no longer was just a fun activity and they had real problems in their lives. 
I know people who've had to leave this city based on the fact that they just couldn't handle living here. Like mm. they really were so predisposed to chasing that they, yeah. they couldn't handle it. And when you look at if you're if you're someone who's ever walked into a casino and the problem gaming materials are always available, uh, you know, near the entrances of the casinos and the slogan right on it says when the fun stops. And that's really what we're talking about. Guys, uh, be sure to follow that up and, and listen to the podcast with Dustin as well. If you want to listen to, uh, you know, his talk with someone who has actually been through this as well. And you can maybe take yourself kind of step back a little bit and see it through someone else's eyes. We do appreciate you listening to the podcast here. Episode number 70. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. So we do appreciate you guys going in. Subscribe, rate, and review. We love all of the five-star reviews, and we really do like climbing up that chart so people can listen and get on the, on the industry side of things. You know, I mean, there's a lot of podcasts out there, people selling picks, though. You know, Giants plus five and a half. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of podcasts with people doing picks, and, and you know, the industry side of things we're, we're very interested in. So please go check that out at Dustin Galker. At Adam Candy, that is two E's, no Y. At LSP Report is the main account on the Twitter machine. And again, don't do it. But if you want to smash the button, at Matt Brown, M2 for me on Twitter. For Dustin, for Adam, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. Go through some emails, check your calendar, see that you have a 45-minute break in the day between meetings, realize this is your moment. So you drive right to McDonald's to pick up something extra delicious ASAP. Meal. Thank you. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's. Buy one of your select faves and get another for just a dollar every morning, like a sausage McMuffin or hash browns. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid for product of equal or lesser value. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Cabo meal, valid when product served. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.